Grace and mercy and peace are all yours from the rich generosity of your God and Father through your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you ever been part of one of those pay-it-forward chains? Have you ever been in one of those? You know what I'm talking about? Anyone? All right, I see a couple heads nodding. All right, it's usually in a, in a drive-through lane where you get up to the window and they say, the person ahead of you paid for your order. Would you like to pay for the person behind you? That's the pay-it-forward chain. And this has been around for, for a number of years. The, the longest one that I could find on the internet was in 2020, during COVID, where a Dairy Queen had over 900 cars go through and pay it forward to the people behind them. It spanned over two days. So at the end of the day, on both of those days, someone left some money for the, pers- the first customer the next day to pay for their food. I was in one of those uh, with my daughter uh, a, a year and a half ago or so. We were, we were at the Dunkin' Donuts, and uh, we had some, some coupons for, you know, some dollar off a drink. That's why we were in line, and of course, we got some donuts while we were there, too. Uh, and, but our bill didn't come out to be too much, and we got up to the front, and, and we were told, hey, someone is paying it forward. They, the person ahead of you paid for your bill. Do you want to pay for the one behind? And my attitude maybe wasn't so much... Yeah, of course. It was, I suppose. I mean, I feel like I kind of have to, right? I can't break the chain. And then I got the bill. And it was over $15, way more than what mine was. And then I even felt like, all right, fine, I'll pay it. And, and as I did some research on these pay-it-forwards and, and people are being asked why they do it, very often that's what it is. And, and they, they promote it as this thing of generosity, right, and helping other people. But are you really helping someone else who's in line to get a $5 coffee, right? And it's nice to do, but, but very often the feeling is I, I have to. It's out of guilt because I'm not going to break the chain. You know, there are studies that are done on generosity and why people give, and there are some, some real good reasons why people give, not, not of, out of guilt or not out of fear. And there was a, a, a study that was done, just uh, came out just a couple weeks ago by an organization called Barna Research, and they do research, uh, Christian research. And, and what they found was that those who are generous, those who give, the main reason that they give, it was well over half, the reason, main reason they gave was because someone had been generous to them in their past. They wanted to be generous, and they wanted to give because someone had given to help them. It wasn't out of guilt. It was because of the generosity they had been shown. Generosity begets generosity. And I use that word beget for a reason. Not because it's old-fashioned, not because many people don't know what it means today to teach you a new word, maybe, but because it is so rich in meaning. The word beget means to, to naturally produce. It's a natural thing that comes because of something else, a natural result. Generosity begets naturally produces generosity. But it's not just research that shows that. It's biblical. We find it in the Bible. 
And so that's why we talk about it. I, last week, I, uh, when we began this sermon series, I gave the warning label on this sermon series. And I'm going to repeat it if you weren't able to be here, if you forgot already. The warning label on this sermon series is that the church is not here for your money. The church is here to preach the whole counsel of God, to teach and preach everything that is in the word of God. And, and the Bible says a lot about money, a lot about how we use it and why we use it, our attitude towards it. And so we got to talk about it once in a while, what the Bible says about our money. The church is not about your money. The church is about the gospel. The gospel, which then moves us to generosity. Moves us to be generous with everything that we have been given. That we don't give out of guilt or fear or compulsion. We give because God has been so generous and gracious to us. We are going to see this morning, generosity begets generosity. And the section that we're looking at from 2 Corinthians is all about that. In fact, there's two chapters, and, and we don't have time. I wish I had time with you to, to walk through all two chapters with you here in, in 2 Corinthians about giving. Paul's instructions to these Christians in the first century about, about their giving, how to give, and why to give. Some very detailed descriptions and, and details. But we're just going to take the, the end of this two chapters, which chapters 8 and 9 is where that spans, Right at the end of chapter 9, these verses that come from our second lesson to help us see how generosity begets generosity. And the first thing that we learn here is that it's God's generosity towards us that begets our generosity with what he's given us. Read, follow along with me again. If you have a Bible open or it's in the service folder, again, this is our second lesson from 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read verses 10 and 11 just to start. This is what he says. Paul writes, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. God is so generous to us physically. I, 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 God just supplies everything we need for what we need every single day. The physical blessings that we need. The food, the clothing, the shelter, and then for many of us, so much more. Right, he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. He gives us these things from his hand, his gracious hand. And it's from this that Paul writes that we can be generous. That God will provide what you need so that you can be generous with what he's given you. So that you can give to the needs of others who don't have. The context here in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is an offering. So it is talking about collecting an offering among the churches. And it is to support their fellow Christians in Jerusalem who were going through a very difficult time. They were undergoing persecution. They were undergoing this severe poverty. And so for people they have never met, Paul is sending this letter to these churches all over the area and encouraging them to give. 
to give from what God has blessed them with to support the needs of others who, who don't have right now. He says that God has so richly blessed you. And he has richly blessed you so that you can be generous with it. So that you can supply for the needs of others. And he says that God will supply you with what you need and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Paul is not preaching what we call a prosperity gospel here. He is not saying that if you give, all of these blessings materially are going to come back to you. And there, there are Christian churches, call themselves Christian churches, that teach this out there. And preachers that will preach this, that, that Christians will never be lacking. That if you give, and you give generously, that God will make that come back to you so many times over. That is not what Paul is preaching here. And you know that is not true, because you've probably experienced time in your life when you were lacking, when things were difficult. What Paul is saying here, when he talks about enlarging the harvest of your righteousness and the blessings that do come, is he's saying that what has been given to you, how God has been so generous to you with the physical blessings of this life, is your opportunity to live your faith. It's your opportunity to show righteousness to the world. To live out a righteous life that God has called you to. The harvest of your righteousness is your life of sanctification, as we call it. That we get to use what we've been given to serve others and to glorify God and to make him known. You see, the focus is not on us, but it's on God. And using what he's given us and entrusted to us to benefit others for his glory. And to point to him and not to ourselves. And maybe it's important to, to, to identify what the word generosity means here, or generous means. The, the, the original word for generous here really means a single-mindedness. It means a single focus. It, it, it's about sincerity. And, and it's not about personal gain. It's not about getting. It's not about receiving. It's, it's a single-mindedness. It's a sincerity that's devoted to using what I've been given and being generous with what I've been trusted with to produce a harvest of righteousness, to make my God known, to let my light shine, to use what I've been given to glorify God. That's what Paul's saying here. God gives you these earthly blessings. God entrusts them with you and calls you to be generous with them to produce a harvest of righteousness, to bring him glory. And then he goes on and says that you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Now again, this is not prosperity gospel. This is not Paul saying that you're going to get riches coming on back to you if you just start giving more. It's not necessarily talking about material blessings, but spiritual blessings. That you will be enriched in the things that matter most. And right here through the word. And when you come up here and receive the sacrament, you are enriched. You are spiritually blessed. And that is what motivates our generosity. When we experience that rich, unending, 
generosity that our God has shown to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. That he has given us righteousness through him. Righteousness not of our own, not a righteousness that we work within us, but a righteousness that comes through faith to us, a righteousness of Christ Jesus. A righteousness that you are clothed in in your baptism. A righteousness that is yours through faith. A righteousness that, that continues to be yours as you grow in faith and as you then get to live your faith and share that righteousness and live who you are. A child of God. A blood-bought soul of Christ. An heir of eternal life. You are enriched in every way through these blessings of Jesus Christ. These spiritual blessings that are yours now and that are yours forever so that you can be generous. So that you can have that sincerity, that single-mindedness. Dear friends, generosity begets generosity. God's rich generosity towards you is going to naturally produce us being generous with what we've been entrusted with in this life. And it's not about how much, as you heard in our children's sermon. But it's about why. We give and we're generous to support the needs of others through our offerings and many other ways. Because God has been so generous with us and enriches us in every way. Paul goes on to talk about how generosity begets, begets more generosity. That our generosity then, when we give, because of God's great generosity towards us, it begets generosity in others. Listen to verses 12 to 14. It says, This service, this service of giving that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. Paul says our giving is a service. Our generosity is a service. It's a fruit of our faith. It, it, because we believe, we're generous. Because we believe, because of what Christ has done for us, we give. It's a way we serve one another. And he says, this is what the result is. He says that we supply the needs of the Lord's people. We get to meet the needs of others. Yes, in physical ways. There are many ways that you can give and be generous with what God has entrusted to you that is going to meet people's physical needs. And that's what was going on here in the context of Paul writing this letter to the Corinthians. They were meeting those physical needs of those fellow Christians in Jerusalem who were poverty stricken. But our service of giving also supplies the spiritual needs of people too, doesn't it? Because when you give an offering, when you give and you perform that service that is prompted and produced by the generosity that God has shown you through Christ Jesus, more people get to hear the gospel. More people get to hear about their Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Because your offerings are used to help you grow in faith here, to grow in your life of righteousness and sanctification, but also to preach that gospel to our community and to the world. Your offerings here, given as a service, given and prompted by that great generosity of God towards you, goes to help us carry out our efforts to reach people here in our area with the gospel who don't know it. And then we send a, a portion of these offerings that we collect here onto our church body that help us take this message of the gospel into places where we cannot go to support the work of missionaries, to go into all countries all over the world, and to go into states all over our nation to supply the needs of people, those spiritual needs, those eternal needs, so that they can know their Savior too. We supply the needs of the Lord's people as we give, as we perform this service. And the result is the overflow of many expressions of thanks to God. And when someone comes to hear the gospel, they give thanks for those who brought it to them. They give thanks for those who supported that person to come and bring it to them. Right? Generosity begets generosity. And our generosity, produced naturally by the generosity God has shown us through Christ Jesus, is going to produce generosity in thanksgiving. Thanksgiving to God for his word. Thanksgiving to God for the beautiful feet who brought that word. Thanksgiving for the people who gave those gifts, who were moved by God's generosity to want other people to know, too, and to be in heaven, too. People become generous in their thanksgiving to God when we are generous with what we've been given. He goes on to say that others praise God, then, for your faith in action. He says, they will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. That people will see your good deeds. That they will see your harvest of righteousness. And they will praise God for that. They will see your faith in action. And not give you praise. Because that's not why you do it. But they praise God in heaven. For how he has worked in you. And through you. Generosity begets generosity. People become generous in their praise with God when they see faith in action. When they see people being moved by the great generosity of God. They move him, they, they are moved to praise God generously. And that's why we do it. So that God can get the praise and not us. And then he says too that they're, they're in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. So you, you want a blessing to come back to you in, in your giving? There it is. People will pray for you. And what greater blessing can there be? And people praying for you. That those that benefit from your generosity will raise you up in prayer to our gracious God, to thank God for you, to pray on your behalf, 
generosity begets generosity. Our generosity, produced by that great generosity of God through Jesus Christ, moves people to be generous in their prayers. And you see where the focus is in all of this. In thanksgiving, in praise, in prayers, it's not about you. But this is all about God. This is all about being generous and producing generosity to the God who has been so generous to us. This generosity, we know, is not natural to us. Generosity is not something that that it comes with the natural sinful heart. Uh, We're we're bent towards selfishness. We're we're bent towards just worrying about ourselves and and taking care of ourselves and and, and maybe even worrying that if if I'm too generous, if I'm thinking too much about others, then I'm not going to have enough for myself. That's the natural selfish, sinful heart. And so this is something that needs to be produced within us. This is something that has to come from outside of us. One of my favorite Christmas movies, and I can start talking Christmas, right? It's not that far away, right? Um, we got a ru- we got an unwritten rule that we enforce in our house, but you know, if Christmas movies and Christmas music is for after Thanksgiving, right? But it's not that far away. Uh, one one of my favorite Christmas movies is A Christmas Carol. All right, and, and you know the story well. All right, Ebenezer Scrooge is a miser. He's not generous with his money. He just worries about himself and keeping it for himself. And then the three ghosts come to him, right? And he changes after those three ghosts. It's a a nice story. It's a feel-good story. And it looks like a story about generosity. But if you really analyze it, why does Scrooge change? It's really because of guilt, isn't it? guilt over the past, and fear, fear of the future, of what's going to become. That's not the kind of production we're looking for in our hearts. Producing generosity, per se, which isn't really generosity at all, by fear, or guilt, or compulsion. Actually, Paul talks about that earlier, and I encourage you to go back and read you know, chapters 8 and 9 that we weren't able to cover, that we don't give out of compulsion. We give graciously and, and, and cheerfully and generously because of what God has done for us. We need our God to produce this generosity within us. And he doesn't do it with guilt. You know what he does it with? Grace. This is the way Paul ends this whole section, these two chapters on giving. He says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And what's that gift? He's referring back to what he just talked about in verse 14. The grace that God has given you. This indescribable gift of grace is what begets generosity. That God has so abundantly and generously poured out upon you his grace. A love that has no strings attached. A love that does not say, do this and then I'll bless you. Grace is undeserved. No strings attached. Grace is Jesus Christ. 
God himself in flesh, living a perfect life of generosity for you. Grace is Jesus Christ himself going to a cross and allow his innocent blood to flow down to redeem you. To be the perfect once-for-all sacrifice for all of your selfishness and for all of the times that you have not been generous with what God has given you. All of those sins are paid for, dear friends, at that cross. And then that same Jesus Christ, in his grace, rose victoriously from that tomb to promise you two things. That one, that you will have the promise of grace never-ending. That you will get to enjoy the eternal riches in heaven. That you will get to enjoy all of the blessings of peace and joy forever in the presence of God. And then secondly, he rose from the dead to assure you that right now you have a new life in the risen Christ. A life that is set free from selfishness. A life that is set free from having to worry about the things of this life. A life that is one that can have single-mindedness and sincerity and be one of generosity. Because your God has been so generous to you. Yes, in the physical things of this life and the physical blessings that you enjoy, but how much more the spiritual blessings that are ours. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. A gift we can't even begin to put into words that can't be described in human language, but it's yours fully and freely. Friends, we're not generous to get. We're not generous out of guilt. We're generous because of grace. The grace that's been shown to us over and over and over. The grace that was ours before the beginning of time. The grace that is ours and overflowing upon us every step through this life. The grace that will be ours forever. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. May this great gift beget our generosity. May God work in us and produce in us what we can't on our own so that we can go and live in that generosity of God to be generous towards others. May God grant it to you. Amen. Please stand.